I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of the Lord. Welcome to another wonderful day in the Lord's neighborhood. I'm Paige. This is Coffee the Bible and Paige. And here's my coffee. Ah, I do like my coffee. Lo, the Lord created the coffee bean and it was good. It was very good. Today, we are going to be looking at Numbers chapter 6. And we're going to be looking at something called the Nazarite vow. It's kind of interesting what goes on with all of that. And uh, I actually have a thought or two that's related to it. That's what I do, I think, with my mouth open. All right, let's get started. Chapter 6. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, If a man or a woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, they must abstain from wine and other fermented drink and must not drink vinegar made from wine or other fermented drink. They must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisins. As long as they remain under the Nazarite vow, they must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even the seeds or skins. And during the entire period of their Nazarite vow, no razor may be used on their head. They must be holy until the period of the dedication to the Lord is over they must let their hair grow long. So the one thought I have is this vow must be, must not have been like a short-term thing. It had to be long enough to for the hair to grow out. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe a month or longer. Sometimes it's a lifetime vow. Um, John the Baptist, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was under the Nazarite vow. Now, throughout the period of their dedication to the Lord, the Nazarite must not go near a dead body. Even if their own father or mother or brother or sister dies, they must not make themselves ceremonially... Oh, that word gives me so much trouble. Even if their own father or mother or brother or sister dies, they must not make themselves ceremonially unclean on account of them because a symbol of their dedication to God is on their head. There. Throughout the period of their dedication, they are consecrated to the Lord. That means set apart for special use, special service. Now, this involves separation or consecration for a specific period of time or special devotion to God on occasion, even for life. Attention is usually given to the prohibitions of the Nazarites. This is important here. More important to the Lord is the positive separation. This was not just a vow of personal self-discipline. It was an act of total devotion to the Lord. This is really important. The most important part of this first verse, if a man or woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord, this is something that the person wants. 
and they're willing to take on what other people would view as a sacrifice. I can't drink wine. I can't even eat the grapes. I can't do raisins. Uh, I can't cut my hair. Um, all these things we look at as, oh, these are the things you're giving up to be a, to, to ha- take part in this Nazarite vow. But what people forget is that this is something the person wants. And this isn't just a, oh, I think I'd like to try the Nazarite vow for a while and see how it works. No, this is something they want. And I understand a little bit about this. It's, I'm a musician. Now, some people view what I do as a musician as an obsession. Uh, Every day I get to get up and do something with music. I'm writing or composing, teaching, playing, performing, um, and there are times when I'm involved in a project, whether it's a recording project or, or perhaps I'm writing music for, uh, one time I, I wrote music for a dramatic production, a play, to underscore a play, and I, I've written music for a uh, short film. Um, there's periods of times involved with this where I am totally absorbed into this project and I just vanish from real life. And I'm just sucked into this thing. And I spend all my time. And people look at it and they think sometimes I'm just a little bit nuts because I'll be up late at night. And when I'm under the, the thrall of, of uh, inspiration, sometimes I'll come to my senses and I'll realize, oh my gosh, I've just spent six hours working on a piece of music. When I was getting my master's degree in music composition, that happened a lot. Um, I'd get started and I, the inspira- inspiration would hit. My muse would show up, as some would say, and I would just absolutely ignore everything else around me during that period of time that I'm sucked into this project, this piece of music that I'm writing. Uh, and people on the outside looking in, they see the negative side of that. Um, I'm not eating regularly, or maybe I'm drinking too much coffee, or they, they just see what I'm giving up. But they don't understand that I want to do this thing, and my desire to do this thing is so strong that these other things that I'm giving up in order to make this time work for me as a compo- as a music composer, that's it's not that big a deal for me because I want to finish this project. I'm sucked into this thing. I'm obsessed with it for a period of time. And during that period of time, everything else goes away. A Nazarite vow, this is something that this person, and it's a man or a woman, they want to do. So yes, we look at the things as, all right, if you want to be a Nazarite, you can't do this, you can't do that thing, you can't do the other thing. But they don't, they forget that the fact is the person wants it. And when somebody wants something and they pursue it with a single-minded focus and dedication, people on the outside of that see everything except that person's desire for some reason. They just see all the things the person is giving up, the person, the things that person is setting aside. I have a friend of mine. His name is Gary. Um, he's a pastor. Very unconventional pastor, I might add. I might add. Very unconventional uh, but he is what I would call the king of the hustle. Now, he's got like two or three businesses that he has started. And he is, um, if you were just to look at him from the outside and not know anything about the man, you'd think, you might think he's a little nuts because he is so obsessed with 
he's got a fight promotion. Believe it or not, he's got like an MMA. He's got like a MMA boxing fight promotion thing that he's starting up, and he's he's started up a professional wrestling uh, business. Um, he's got a shirt business where he his, he and his wife make uh, they got like they make T-shirts and they make merchandise for people. Um, he promotes concerts. He promotes the wrestling. He promotes the the fighting, the the MMA boxing fighting organization he's got. He is people look at that and they just say, "Oh, look at all the things he's giving up," but they don't realize this is something he wants to do, and he is pursuing it. And yes, on the from the outside looking in, he looks like he's a little bit off his rocker, but the truth is, he wants to do it. And what other people look as things that he's giving up in order to accomplish his things. He sees as nothing. He's he is going to do what he wants to do, and if that means giving th- something up, then that's a price he's willing to pay. If you're going to do the Nazarite vow, you're going to give some things up. But if you want to do it, this isn't this this is something you desire. Then giving up the grapes and the wine, ah. Uh, it's it's worth the price. Now, throughout the period of the dedication of the Lord, oh yeah, I already read this part. They can't go near dead bodies. If if a family member dies, they can't deal with it. They can't go near the dead body. They can't go to the funeral. Then on the eighth day, if someone dies suddenly in the Nazarite's presence, thus defiling the hair that symbolizes their dedication, they must shave their head on the seventh day after that the day of their cleansing. Then on the eighth day, they must bring two doves, two young pigeons to the priest at the entrance to the point of meeting. The priest is to offer one as a sin offering and the other is a burnt offering to make atonement for the Nazarite because they sinned by being in the presence of a dead body. That same day, they are to consecrate their head again. So they, they start over. They must rededicate themselves to the Lord for the same period of dedication and must bring a year-old male lamb as a guilt offering. The previous days don't count because they became defiled during their period of dedication. Now, this is the law of the Nazarite when the period of the dedication is over. They are to be brought to the entrance to the tent of meeting. They are to present their offerings to the Lord, a year-old lamb, male lamb without defect for a burnt offering, a year-old ewe lamb without defect for a sin offering, a ram without defect for a fellowship offering, together with their grain offerings and drink offerings and a basket of bread made with the finest flour and without yeast, thick loaves with olive oil mixed in and thin loaves brushed with olive oil. The priest is to present all these before the Lord and make the sin offering and the burnt offering. He is to present the basket of unleavened bread and is to sacrifice the ram as a fellowship offering to the Lord together with its grain offering and drink offering. Then at the entrance to the tent of meeting, the Nazarite must shave off the hair that symbolizes their dedication. They are to take their hair and put it in the fire that is under the sacrifice of the fellowship offering. After the Nazarite has shaved off the hair that symbolizes their dedication, the priest is to place in their hands a boiled shoulder of the ram, one thick loaf, one thin loaf from the basket, both made without yeast. The priest shall then wave these before the Lord as a wave offering. They are holy and belong to the priest, together with the breast that was waved and the thigh that was presented. After that, the Nazarite may 
my, may now drink wine. So this is the law of the Nazarite, who vows offerings to the Lord in accordance with their dedication. In addition to whatever else they can afford, they must fulfill the vows they have made according to the law of the Nazarite. So uh, apparently being a Nazarite involves you voluntarily setting aside a period of time where you're going to totally focus and dedicate everything about you to the Lord. And perhaps there is, it looks, sounds to me like there's vows that they're going to make that reflect this dedication to the Lord. I'm not sure what that is. Fasting, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm ignorant of a lot of this stuff. So I'm, I'm actually just beginning to research this. It could, but the picture I'm getting is that the Nazarite vow involves you setting aside a period of time where you where you totally focus on the Lord, and you have you make a vow to do something or to accomplish something within this period. It's kind of like uh, in, in our churches today. We uh, you see some people say, "Well, I'm giving something up for Lent." They take a period of time and they give something up as an act of worship and devotion to the Lord. Um, In the past, I have fasted in dedication to the Lord. I have set aside certain types of food as a uh, act of a certain kind of fasting, like I'm fasting from something, some kind of thing. So I fasted from uh, breads. I've fasted from meats. Um, I have uh, set aside time where I, I will go to a remote location and spend that time reading the word and praying. So we all do that kind of thing, but this Nazarite vow is something very, very special. And I'm looking forward to understanding more and more about it. Now, although the Nazarite vow is an Old Testament concept, there is a New Testament parallel in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul states, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, for Christians, the ancient Nazarite vow symbolizes the need to be separate from this world. A holy people consecrated to God. We're called to that. Now, although the Nazarite vow is an Old Testament concept, there is a New Testament parallel. Oh, I just read that. (laughs) Oh gosh, that's silly. Uh, I put that in there twice. Um, So the Nazarite vow is not just an Old Testament thing. It has New Testament application. The person who is going to set aside a period of his time of his life dedicated to something very specifically related to his relationship with God. That's kind of the Nazarite vow. I'm going to take time to go into the wilderness and pray. Some people, it's their entire life. That was John the Baptist. And we know that there is a a Samson, the story of Samson. He was a Nazarite for his entire life. Supposedly, he's supposedly giving his entire life into service for God. So there's a lot of cool things to be associated with this, a lot of thoughts here. But 
even though I don't have myself wrapped around totally what the Nazarite vow entailed, I do know this. The people that entered into it wanted it. And it was a time of extreme single-minded focus on the Lord from them in a certain area of their life. And I understand that. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to show me more about this Nazarite vow because I, I'd be interested in finding out how I could incorporate this into my life because I see value in it. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. And you say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. It's called a benediction. We hear this a lot in church music. And one of my projects for my master's degree is I wrote a benediction. And I'm going to close with that. So uh, with that, I'm Paige. This is my coffee. And I'm out of here. Thank you.